we like to welcome everybody here today. Man, you guys are looking good. And man, if you folks that are joining us online, if you, if you joined us online, you're part of Destiny Family. Boy, you know there's multiple more people that watch online than are in the building here. So, man, we still appreciate you joining us. Well, you know, last week we prayed for rain. And we had two beautiful rains this week. God is so good. I mean, he is, he is just all good. And, and we get the opportunity, we're going to worship God today. And, you know, God says that any time when people praise him, that he inhabits those praises. So, so I want you to know that as we praise God this morning, and as you praise God online at your home or wherever you are, why, the Spirit of Jesus Christ is living with us, is right here. Yeah, the same Jesus Christ that was anointed to God and went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God is with him, he's going to be here this morning. And he's going to do good for you. He's going to bring healing for you if you need it. In fact, man, I, I know there's people here looking for a breakthrough. People online. And man, he is going to do that this morning. Well, you know, whenever I come into a worship service, I, I want to get my expectation up so high. Because, you know, God wants so much more for you and I than we can even ask, think, or imagine. So you can never rise your faith to a level above what God wants you to have. And I just encourage you to, to just stretch your expectation this morning. You know, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is right here to work out stuff in our lives, right today. Man, so why don't you guys stand up? We're going to get together and worship God. If you just join me, I'm going to make this declaration over our service. Man, Father God, I just thank you that as your sons and daughters are here worshiping you and are joining us online worshiping you, that you're going to show up. And everyone that participates in this worship service is going to be forever changed to the positive. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's worship God together. He's so good. You know, I'm thinking just like Lauren this morning, uh, from the time we first started this worship service, why um, I believe God said he wanted to raise dead dreams. You know, you might be... Uh, you might be here, you might be watching online, and you're thinking, well, I've failed enough times. I'm just going to keep my head down and survive here. But God says, no, don't you know that you're my son? You're my daughter? And I put my nature inside of you? My abilities inside of you? If you're here, if you're watching online, and you, you haven't been born again, so you're not a son and daughter, it's the easiest thing to do. Scripture says anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just ask Jesus to come into your life. You're a son. You're a daughter. God's nature is in you. You know, there's a fellow in the Bible. His name was Gideon. And uh, uh, when he started out, why, he's in a cave wearing wore-out clothes, and he's filthy dirty. Angel of the Lord showed up and said, Gideon, you mighty champion, God's with you. And I believe that's what God is saying to people today. You're a mighty champion because God is with you. Doesn't matter where you're at. You know, we started that first song and it said, fear cannot survive when we praise God. Now I tell you, it can't. Sickness can't survive when we praise God. Depression can't survive when we praise God. L limitations in your thinking cannot survive when you're praising God. 
No, because the truth is, you might be here in this body on earth, but God says that your position as his son or daughter is seated right next to Jesus in heaven. And that's where you really are. That's where you're really living from. And you just think about that. You look out and there's a sea of glass because it's so peaceful. There's not even a ripple on that water. That's where you're at. That's what your life is, that peaceful. You're looking out over resources where they don't even bother with tar or cement. They use gold and fine gemstones. That's the kind of resources that God's made available to you through him in this life right now. Jesus sitting right next to you on the other side of him is God, and he's laughing all the time. He enjoys every moment of every day. Why don't you and I do that too? You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God, a mighty champion. Boy, let's remember that this week. Boy, we've got to move on to the service. Why don't you greet your neighbor here? Because we've got a lot of good things to come. Man, you guys are looking good today. And you folks online, too. Of course, I, I can't see you. But if you ever get a chance to get up our way, why, man, be sure and stop in. I'll tell you, this is the friendliest people in Minnesota is right here in this building every Sunday morning. We'd love for you to join us. I promise you we'll make you feel right at home. So you're, you're welcome. You're part of our family. It's my privilege to receive God's tithes and our offerings this morning. Uh, we've got some ushers around here, and they've got these envelopes. If you're given cash and would like a tax receipt, well, just raise your hand, and they'll get you an envelope. Um, and if you're, um, we've got some, uh, if you're writing a check, why, it's Destiny Church. And if you're watching online, why, there's an address there for the church. And you can also text to give, which is a very convenient way to do so. So, um, you know, I always like to find a scripture to stand on when it's offering time. Because, you know, I mean, we're given our money, which we gave our life to get. And so, man, God talks in farming terms, and he's always about the harvest. So this is a sowing time, expecting a harvest. And um, one of my favorite verses to look at is, is Luke 6:38 about this. Uh, for a couple reasons. The first one is it's Jesus that's talking. And, you know, man, the red letters trump everything. And so I like that. But then the other thing is in this verse, Luke 6, 38, why Jesus takes the economics of the kingdom of heaven and he reduces it to one sentence. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to college and taken an economics course, but the textbooks are like so big. But, but Jesus, he reduces the economics of heaven of his kingdom to one sentence. And man, I, I just love that about the word of God. It's so simple. Man, you gotta, you gotta have help to misunderstand the word of God. Unfortunately, we have a lot of high-priced help from the Christian religion, but the word of God is so simple. And Jesus makes this statement, if you give, you'll get. That, that, that's all you need to know about, about money in the kingdom. If you give, you'll get. And, 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 you know, there's a couple parts to what he's saying there. And the, and the, and the first part is, I mean, the goal is to get. That's what it's, God says he delights in the prosperity of his sons and daughters. And, and man, you know, God thinks big. Boy, just this last week, I, I, I was reading that the, the, the singer Rihanna became the first female musician to become a billionaire last week. Man, God's really delighted about that. And, you know, because I, I, I checked up, I did some research on her because I didn't know much about her. She's a strong believer, a daughter of God. You see, God's no respecter of persons. But God delights in your prosperity. And, and, and you know, um, 
So, so God wants you to get uh, on, on your end. He wants you to enjoy the same kind of lifestyle that he does. But, but then there, there's another part of getting too. You know, Jesus said that he wants to establish his kingdom on earth. In fact, that, that, that was his prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, that God's kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But you know, if that's going to happen, why the church, sons and daughters of God, need to rule on earth. I mean, the, the glory of God is not going to fill the earth uh, just like the waters cover the sea if we're people of no influence, if nobody cares about us because we, we, we don't. Uh, so, so God wants you and I to bring his kingdom to earth. We've got to control money to do that. And, um, and, you know, anytime any principle from the kingdom of God gets employed on earth, everything gets better. So, man, it, we, can, we have the opportunity to make things better. But then, then the other part of what Jesus said is the giving part. And, you know, that, that's confusing sometimes to our natural thinking because, you know, in the world system, why, because we... That way of thinking is that resources are limited. If I'm going to have anything, i got to take it from somebody else. That's the world system. In the kingdom of God, it's just the opposite. Because God is our source, there are no limitations on resources. So then, I'm free, just like God, to give. I mean, I mean just think about this. God, he wanted a family, so he gave his only begotten son. And at current time, why he has about 8 million sons and daughters on the earth and in heaven. Amen. That's pretty good harvest. But God wants the same sort of lifestyle for us. And if you'll make that decision that I'm going to live a lifestyle of giving, I'm, I'm, because God is my source, I'm going to look for places I can give money. I'm going to look for places I can give healing. I'm going to look for places where I can bring God's wisdom to. I'm going to look for places I can make better, I can bring compassion, I can give love to. And if you'll do that, you open a door. And man, God floods his favor, his blessing, his resources through that door. So just like Jesus says, if, um, if you give, you'll get. Well, man, let's take our, our seed, our giving in hand here, and, and, and let's agree over it together with God. If you want to join me, we just thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to be your sons and daughters, to live in your kingdom and man, we want to be a part of bringing your kingdom to the earth. Man, Father God, let in our lifetimes, let the Great Commission be fulfilled. Father God, we thank you as we bring this seed here, why we're agreeing together with you for an amazing harvest, at least a hundred times as much. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, ushers, you can serve the people here. Uh, man, we got a lot going on here few announcements. So uh, August 16th at 7, there's a men's meeting at Josh Ball's home. And um, uh, Josh, if you're around, would you stand up, Josh? If you don't know where Josh lives, why, why talk to him after the service? So, but that's the 16th at 7. There'll be axe throwing, good fellowship, and a campfire. Oh, man, here's an exciting one. August 22nd, so this is Sunday after church, there's a men's golfing event. So there's going to be a lunch at Pastor C's house at 1245 and a tee off at 145. But now there's a sign-up sheet uh, back on the table in the foyer there. I'm, I'm going to be back there. Um, uh, so if, you, if you're, um, 
you know, we've got a lot of women's events too, but this one is a men's one, so if you're a male that plays golf, why sign up there and we'll get you lined up with a cart and a reservation over at Tips and Amounts here for Sunday the 22nd afternoon. Okay, there's a Ladies Connect at 6.30 on Thursday, August 19th. Anna Miller will be our speaker, Anna Belgard Miller, and, and that's at the church here. Well, here's another one. If you'd like to be water baptized, sign up at the table in the foyer. Once again, I'll be back there, and there's a sign-up sheet if you've not been water baptized or you'd like to be. Man, that's always such an exciting time. Man, people give testimonies. Uh, just uh, that is great. And th but that's Sunday, August 29th. And also on the 29th, that Sunday, as a part of the baptism, we're having a church picnic. So we'll get to enjoy that time. And boy, even today, we have a great big lunch uh, uh, after church. Uh, you just make your way back to the dining room. Um, if this is your first time here, it's just down the hall past the bathrooms there. And we got lunch after church, a time to fellowship. And then, uh, and then once again, just like every Sunday, well, I'm, I'm going to be back in the table in the foyer. Um, if, uh, if we don't have your like, name and phone number, that's the most important thing. That kind of connects you so we, we send texts if there's something going on, you know, an event or, or, or something gets changed. Or sometimes why we have people that call and want the church family to pray for them, like emergency situations. And then, and then you'll get, be a part of that get to see that miracle take place. And so get your information. Also, if you have any questions about the church, why, why we can answer them for you. Um, uh, man, we're a family here, and we're always trying to increase. So, man, if you got ideas of something we could do better, why, man, I'd love to hear those ideas back there, too. So there's all those announcements, if you can keep them straight. Basically, make your way to the back table, and we'll get, we'll get it all taken care of. But, but okay, today, man, we got a treat today. We, we, we got Jeremy preaching. And you know what, I, I just love when young men and women preach because, man, I see future. And I'll tell you, the future at Destiny Church is awesome here. Uh, and you'll agree with that after you hear Jeremy preach today. Good morning. Good morning. Is everybody rejoicing over the rain? Yeah. Yes. I wasn't here last week, but I... I did catch it online, and I heard, and I participated in the prayer for rain, right? Did you guys get in on that? So I was thinking about it this morning. I woke up, and I'm like, hey, it's raining. We got a little shower the day before, too, but it's pretty good this morning. Good soaking rain. Amen? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just trying to figure out where to start. You guys are like, oh, he doesn't know what he's going to say. Partly. Partly. It's not totally true, partly true. Uh, but I was just, you know, during worship, how many enjoyed worship? Oh, man. Not just musically sound, but um, just love that the focus there is not about how good do we sound, but how can we encounter the presence of God? And I, towards the end of worship, I had this thought that I don't want to serve a God who who isn't bigger than I am. I don't want to serve a God who I can understand, who can fit in the, the little box of my mind. I mean, I've been there where I go, God, I don't understand this, and it frustrates me, and I want to understand. We've all been there, right? 
I don't understand, but I want to, and that's frustrating. But on the other side, I don't want to serve a God that I can understand, that he fits inside the context, the box of my mind, and I go, yeah, I got them all figured out. Because then really he's not God. He's just something that we've made up, uh, that we've decided, yeah, this is, this is the God I want to have, and, and that's not God at all. And uh, so I just thought, as I was encountering God's goodness and his presence, I just thought, this is the God that, that I have committed to serving. A God who's far bigger than I am, that he can't fit within the context of my mind, and that, and that there's moments, experiences I have with him where I am literally feel like I'm undone. Not because I said, I want to be undone, but because he came. His presence came, and I literally was like, <laughs> I just feel like undone. And that's, that's the type of God. That is the God who is the true God. That's the God I, I serve. And that's the God who I can give my life to and say, I'm all yours. Amen. I'm going to get into my message, but there's one other thing while we're on this vein. Um, I just felt like, I I don't know, call it a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, whatever, or just God speaking to you. But I felt like God was saying that there are people in this room who you become disconnected with him. There's there's come a disconnect uh, where you go, man, I just... I feel like there was a love for the Lord in my life at one point. And sometimes that love for the Lord is expressed like towards our kids, towards our spouse. Maybe there's just a joy in life. And you're like, I feel like that's gone. And there's been like, it's, it's, is anybody identifying with that? Like it's lost. There was a passion for the Lord once. And I'm like, where did it go? Where did it go? Anybody? Just kind of give me a head nod or something so I know I'm talking to somebody. And what I feel like the Lord was saying is, It's not because he left. It's not because he disconnected. It's not because he said, I'm done with you. That's not not the Heavenly Father. It's not what he does. He never does. He's a God who's close, and he doesn't disconnect. And the proof is that he went as far as to send his son. If he's willing to send his son, he's willing to do anything. Hear me. He's willing to do anything to be with you and for you to be with him. Anything. So I, I just, I had that sense and I felt like the Lord was saying, if there's that disconnect, he wants to remove that disconnect in your life. Whether it be a lie that you believed, whether it be a hurt or a pain, whether it be um, a misunderstanding, whatever it might be, I feel like the Lord said he's removing that this morning. And it might even be that you've become distracted. I've been there. I feel like that's my daily battle, to not be distracted. And I feel like the Lord is saying he's coming to remove that, um, whatever that is. So, as I share, I'm believing that God's at work this morning. If he's not at work, what are we doing here? All right. Got a few head nods. We're on the same page. Well, I'm going to read a couple of passages of scriptures and then... Man, the, the, the worship today and what Dave shared, I feel like I'm just going to reiterate what they already did. So, one, two, three, hopefully you get it after that. <laughs> Second Timothy, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, Timothy, my dear son, 
Live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength, found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. Passion's translation. I read it to my dad over the phone. He goes, that's not the King James. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> he didn't say it was wrong. He just said, because he's got the whole New Testament memorized, pert near. So when I read that, he goes, that's not the King James. So Passion's translation. Verse 2, and all that you've learned from me, uh, confirmed by uh, the integrity of my life, pass on to faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelation. Verse 3, overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus, the anointed one. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may, be fully, so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. Who's the one who chose? God the Father, our Heavenly Father. He chose us. So Paul's talking to Timothy, and, he, and Timothy's uh, he's going from traveling with Paul to now he's stepping into a position of uh, pastoring a very large church of the day. Okay, but don't let that mislead you. Oh, he's talking to a pastor. No. This message is to you and I. How many mothers in the room? How many fathers in the room? How many people that work a job in the room? How many got siblings? Okay, I think I got everybody covered. That means that you have a sphere of influence. It means that your life can have an influence in somebody else's life. So, I dare to say that you are a leader of some sort. So, this passage is for you. Okay? So, as, so overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus, the anointed one. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who sent him. And then I'm also going to read out of Joshua. Joshua 1, very familiar verse, starting with verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then... You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, uh, to them, the Israelites. I will give you every place where your foot sets, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert, so he kind of gives the boundaries. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because, I, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I have swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you that you are a living God. And you are here this morning by your spirit. And Lord, if you don't come by your spirit and awaken us 
if you don't come by your spirit and make this word, the word, your word, come alive to us, then it is no good. <laughs> then there is no point. So, Lord, we thank you that you're here to make our hearts come alive to your scripture. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been thinking this week, um, I have two kids. One's going now, a little cowboy. And we have a daughter. And so for you who have kids or have had kids, um, you know that when a little one enters your life, your world changes quickly. And uh, for many, for, for all of us, uh, and for many of us who, who, who don't forget, <laughs> Uh, the, one of the ways our world changes is you start to think about the future. You start to spend a little more time thinking about the future. Where, where are we going? You know, where is life going? What are my kids going to... What are they experiencing? What are they going to experience? What is the world they're going to live in? We start to think about the future, right? Because of our kids. So I've been thinking about that, and I've also been thinking about just the world we currently live in, you know? And for many of us, for all of us who would say, you know, we'd say, man, we believe the word. Pastor Steve's been talking about sola scriptura. And uh, so for those of us who we, we hold to the word and we believe that it's true, and then we, we look at that and then we look at the world and we kind of go, man, things are different than what I see in scripture and what I see in the world. And so I'm looking at those things and I'm, and there's that tension that comes. There's a tension that comes that I feel, and I go, man, there's a world that I'm currently living in, and there's a world that my kids are living in and are going to live in one day. And so I feel that tension. Do you guys feel that tension ever? And you think about the future. What? So when I think about the future, I've started to realize that's vision. That when, I, that when I'm thinking ahead and I'm thinking, what is the world going to look like? What is our family going to look like? What are my kids, what are they going to live in? What are they going to experience? That's vision. That's looking ahead. I, I, my wife and I talked to the youth a couple weeks ago at youth camp, and we said, we told the kids, we were kind of talking about, who do you, you know, how can you get ready now uh, for marriage one day? if you get married, and, and most people do, not everybody, that's fine, but how do you prepare now? How do you get ready now? And so what we kind of settle, settled on was that do you have a picture of the person that you want to be one day? Do you have a picture of the person you want to be? And more importantly, do you have the picture of who, you, of who God sees you becoming one day? Right? Do you have that picture? Having that picture is vision, vision for the future. Who am I going to become? And I, I, I was counseling a young dating couple once. They're in the room. I won't look at them. I was counseling them. <laughs> we, we, I was in counseling. We were just talking. But I was giving my, uh, my <laughs> pulling from my large uh, resources of wisdom. <laughs> Actually, I felt like I was talking, and as I was talking, these words were falling out. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of good. Um, but I said to, the, to this young man, I think I was just talking with him, and I said, have you, have you ever just, like, thought about who you want to be in this relationship? 
Have you ever thought about the type of person you want to be in this relationship? And Well, well yeah, kind of. And I'm like, but have you, ever, have you ever said, this is the ty- type of person I want to be? And had a picture in your mind of who that is. Because what I started doing, I've probably shared this before. What I started doing when I became a dad especially, is I, I, just, I, I had this thought. Well, what kind of dad do I want to be? You know, and you don't have to be a dad to ask this question, but I just thought, what kind of father do I want to be to my, at the time, had one child? To my child. And one of the things that I decided is I want to be a dad who's involved. I know I'm rehearsing some of this, but stay with me. I want to be a father who's involved. So I said, okay, that's the picture. That's part of it. So I put that up there, and I said, that's, that's the type of dad I want to be, one who's involved. So I was saying to this other person, who's getting ready, they're dating, and marriage was in the horizon. I said, what kind, have you decided what kind of person you want to be in this relationship? And one day when you get married, have you decided what kind of husband you want to be? Well, I mean, kind of. I kind of have a, you got to get a picture of who you want to be. Why? Because if you don't have a picture of who you want to be, of who you're becoming, you're not going to get there. And, and more than that, what I found is, I often was just going, okay, I got to quit doing that, stop doing that, until I said, this is the person I want to be. Then the decisions became easier because I said, that's who I want to be, so here are the decisions I need to make, right? Well, if I make this decision, I'm not becoming that. Well, then I'm not going to make the decision to do that. I'm going to make a different one. So vision is what we see about our future, okay? Okay. So I, I've, I've just, I started thinking about the promised land. I, I had Steph ask me yesterday, what's, what's the title of your message? And I, that's what I came up with. The promised land awaits. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully I can get there. Hopefully I can get to that title. <laughs> the promised land awaits. So I was thinking about the children of Israel. Well, I'm jumping ahead. How many of you guys know that there's a war that wages? <laughs> there's a war that wages. I'm not talking about physically out here and in other countries. I'm talking about in the spiritual realm, which is the, which is the most real. There, there's, a, there's a war that wages. There's a battle that's taking place in that realm right now. And you and I, we experience that. We experience it on a daily basis. Part of that war that wages is, is that we live in a body. The body isn't bad, but there's desires that come with that, and there's, there's things in the world that, we, that maybe want to attract us to those, to those desires, to those things that, that pull us away, that become distractions, encumbrances, right? There's that type of war, but then there's also a spiritual war and the thing about the spiritual war, Paul said that, he goes, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Sometimes we look at people and go, eh, no, not the enemy. But there's a spiritual war. And Paul says there are principalities and powers, they are high places that stand up, that, that, that stand in these places that resist what God wants to do. And there, there, is, there is an enemy standing in your way. There is an enemy that is standing between you and your promised land. 
part of that enemy, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this, part of that enemy resides right here. Is that we have desires, not all bad, but we have desires that want to pull us away from what God has for us. And part of that is that there is a literal, literal enemy who would love to see you destroyed. He would love to see your life in shambles. He would like, love to see you depressed. He would love to see you broken, hurting. And if, when you find yourself there, he's very happy. Okay? But it stands in the way. Okay? There is resistance, but there is a promised land that God has destined you for. Okay? There is a promised land. There is a place. You know, when, when God talked to the children of Israel about the promised land, he said it's a place flowing with milk and honey. And we, I mean, you guys like milk, we like honey, but it's more than that. It's not just like, oh, you get milk and you get honey. It meant, it meant that the, the rich things of life, the, the, the deep things of life that we all long for, they would be there. That God was bringing, bringing them to that place of meeting their needs, of giving them the place uh, that God had promised, that God had promised Abraham, I'm going to give this to your descendants. So here's where I'm trying to go with this. If we will get an eternal uh, perspective or an eternal vision for our life, I believe God, that, that God will carry us to our promised land. But here's the thing. Some of us, we get so caught up with the day-to-day. But I believe that today, God is going to begin to give us a generational perspective. Somebody say that. Say generational perspective. A generational perspective sees beyond your right now. It sees beyond just tomorrow. It sees beyond. And the thing about a generational perspective is it, it allows you and it empowers you to do things that you would never do without it. If you don't see, if we don't see generationally, we won't make sacrifices. We won't lay down our life. We won't make the hard decisions. We won't. Because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't feel good right now. A generational mindset will make the decisions that maybe hurt right now, that maybe aren't pleasant right now, but they will create a future. They'll create a life for our kids, for our grandkids, for our great-grandkids. It will create a life for them that will be amazing. So I feel like this morning, part of what I want to do is I want to compel you. And I'm talking to myself, but I want to compel us this morning to lift our eyes. To lift our eyes beyond our our present circumstances. Lift, lift your eyes and look. And then ask ask Jesus to give you a generational perspective. We, We must, we must see generationally. If we don't, We will not make the decisions. We will not make the sacrifices necessary to walk into the promised land that God has for us. So going back, you know, when the children of Israel were in Egypt, I started going, well, God, why would you bring them to Egypt? You know, there's the famine in the land and Joseph, you know, was thrown in the pit. And then he went to all that. I'm like, why did why did they end up in Egypt in the first place? I didn't get an answer. So. I don't know why, but they're in Egypt. And then the pharaohs, there's one pharaoh, now they got the next pharaoh, and the next pharaoh's like, I don't trust these people. I know, we'll put them in slavery, and we'll have them build our, we'll have them build our cities, build our roads, build our pyramids, and we'll have them do the work for us. So now they're in slavery. They were in slavery for 400 plus years. 
And all this time, if you read in there, it's all this time, uh, or at some point during this time, the children of Israel begin to cry out to the Lord. Lord, deliver us. Lord, deliver us from our oppressors. Anybody identify with that? <laughs> you feel, at times you feel oppressed, maybe by your emotions, maybe by your circumstances, maybe by situations that you feel like you have no control of. You're like, God, deliver me. Deliver me from this. It's painful. It's difficult. And it says, it says in there that they put heavy burdens upon the people. So deliver us. So what did God do? He said, I've heard their cries, Moses. So I'm sending you to deliver the people. Woo! <laughs> the day of delivery. It's a wonderful day. When you get free from something that you feel like you've been fighting, you feel like you've been under a heaviness, whatever it is, and you feel like you get free, maybe it's a financial burden, you're like, I got free of it. It's an amazing day. Okay? Amazing day. Everybody say two. Maybe three. Two to three days after they had left, I don't even know if it's two days, they had left the city, the place of their oppression, two or less days after they had left, they had been set free, and they walked out of their captivity two days, maybe even one. They're complaining and saying, can't we just go back? Come on. Is that not crazy? But let's be real. We've all done it. You get set free of something, and, and before you know it, you're back there. You're going, how did I get here? You wanted it. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. That's why you're there, because you wanted it. Two days, maybe even one, they're already complaining, going, Moses, why did you bring, out, bring us out here to the desert? I think we should just go back. At least we had food. At least we had food. When God wants to deliver us from bondage, when God wants to deliver us from oppression, he removes us. But if the slave mentality doesn't come out of us, we long to go back to slavery. We long to go back to the oppression because we say, well, at least I had food. There's something that takes place. I don't know if I fully understand it, but there's something that takes place when you walk out of bondage. There's an emotional experience that we have. Like, we have these emotions, right? And they're wonderful. And they're terrible. And they're amazing. And they're awful, right? And they're, ah, this roller coaster. And they're amazing when they're amazing. And they're dreaded when they're dreadful. It's just, mm, right? Just... But when we, I'm just trying to picture the children of Israel coming out of the oppression and then they, they're wanting to go back. There was, something, there was something about the oppression that made them feel comfortable. There was something about the oppression that made them feel secure. Am I talking to anybody? Now, I don't know what, where you're at this morning. I don't know if you have some addiction or a stronghold or depression or oppression I don't know, maybe a financial, I don't know, but there's something about the place that you've been in that's comfortable. There's a security there. And when God wants to bring us out, we have to step out, but then he has to change what's right here. 
He has to change what's right here. He can bring us out of oppression or out of slavery, but he has to set us free right here. He has to get the slavery out of the way we think, out of the way we believe. Here's part of what I think happened with the children of Israel. They walked out of Egypt. They left Egypt. But they didn't have a vision for the promised land. They stepped out, and what were they looking at? Desert. And actually, a huge body of water, which no, with no way around it. And then they look back where they came from, and here comes the army. With their bone arrows, and with their swords and spears, and their horses. Here they come. Big body of water. Desert. No food. Salt water. Nothing to drink. They look back. Here comes an army. They're mad. Because when they left... They took all their stuff. So this is what they're looking out. This is what their senses are telling them. Not good, no way around. Desert, not good, no food, not good. Army, that's very mad, not good. <laughs> Things don't look good. Their senses and the natural are, are literally telling them, things aren't good. Things are not going to go well for you in the next few hours, whenever they show up. This is what the senses are telling them. Dare I say, this is what the sense, our senses often tell us when we're standing in the midst of a difficult situation. It's going to be, it's too hard. You can't do it. You're not going to be able to make it. You're never going to be able to give that up. You're not going to be able to walk free from this. You're never going to get over it. You're never going to walk out of that oppression. That's what your mind and your senses will tell you. But Moses didn't buy into that. Why? I think partly because God said, Moses, you are going to lead this people not just out of oppression, not just out of slavery, not just out of slavery, but I'm going to take them through the desert and into the promised land. Moses had a picture of where God was taking them. And the other thing with that is he didn't just see the picture, but he believed what God said over and above his senses, over and above his emotions. He goes, yeah, I see the sea. Yeah, I see the army. And they look mad. But, but, my God, my God, who showed up to me in the burning bush. My God, who did the signs and wonders. My God, who led this children of Israel out. My God said that we are going to the promised land. He had a picture, he had a vision of not just coming out, but of where are we going. If we don't have a picture of where we're going, I dare to say we might not ever get there. We might come out of oppression. We might come out of depression. We might come out of slavery of some sort. But we're going to long to go back because it was comfortable. We're going to long to go back because we're not willing to make the decisions to go to the place that God has called us to go. And I was thinking about the desert. Like, why, why, why the desert? Is it just simply because here's Egypt and here's the promised land and there's the land in between? Is that it? Is that it? Maybe. 
I heard somebody say, I don't know how accurate it is, but that that trip was supposed to take days to get from Egypt to the Promised Land. Days. Like 11 days. Not like 365 days, like 11. But it took them 40 years. 40, 40 years to get where they were to the Promised Land. And in those 40 years, not everybody made it. Not everybody made it. And I've thought, why? why? Why did they have to go in those, why, for 40 years? In your promised land, in your promised land, there are giants and walled cities. Well, I thought the promised land was like milk and honey. It is. But there's giants and walled cities who also like the milk and honey. There are giants and walled cities in your promised land. They're not supposed to be there, but they're in your promised land. Do you guys know what I mean when I say promised land? I'm not like saying like Ashby, Minnesota is your promised land. It could be. But I'm saying that there is a life that God has created. There's a life that God has for you and me with communion with him, fellowship with him, living in community with, with him and with others. There's a place that God has for you, that has, he has for us. And there are things standing, there are giants and walled cities standing between where you are now and where God desires to, for you to be. There are things standing in the way. So why the desert? I'm like, why the desert? Just bring them in, right, Lord? Just bring them in. <laughs> I really think, and I haven't fleshed this all out. Maybe you guys will get the revelation. I think that God has to do something in you and me, has to do something in us, so that when we get to the promised land, we are able to stay in the promised land. Like there has to be a fortitude that takes place in us. There has to be a resilience, a strength that is established in us. So when we get to the promised land and we face the giants and the walled cities, we go, ah, bah, bah. So I tell my son when he's doing something, he's shouting, ah, bah, bah. Eh, you're not supposed to be here. But, but walking through the desert, I'm like, God, what did you do? What did you do in the Israelites? as they walk through the desert to get them ready for the promised land. What did you do in there? And one of the things that I can see that he did is he was creating in them a complete dependence upon God, upon him. He was like, look, you got to be completely dependent, completely trusting who I am. You have to completely trust who I am in order to stand in the land that I've promised to give you. When I look at my kids, Katie and I have been saying this to each other. We go, hey, we got to do hard stuff. We got to do stuff that we're scared to do because we want our kids to do things that they're scared to do. I'm not just talking about like jumping out of planes. I'm saying I want my kids to make courageous decisions 
that when they're looking at the decision, they go, I don't know if I can do it. And it seems too big. And I'm too afraid. I feel too afraid. I want them to be able to look at that and say, no, I'm going to do it. That, that's what we want for our kids. So then I go, I can't expect them to do it if I don't do it. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do some stuff I'm scared of. I'm going to do some stuff I'm scared of because I want my kids to do the same. Where is it going with that, guys? <laughs> God was getting the children of Israel ready to live in the promised land, the land that he had promised. And he was trying to create dependence saying, come on, guys, depend on me. you got to trust me because you're about to face some things that you're not going to be able to do in your own strength. But you have to stand. You have to lean on me. Paul says that to Timothy. He says, Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength, found in the anointing of Jesus, in your union with him. God was bringing the people through the desert, and he's saying, come on, you got to depend on me. you got to lean on me. If you're going to stand in the land that I have for you, you got to learn to trust me. you got to learn to lean on me. As I was praying for you guys, my wife and I actually prayed together several times. One of the things I, I believe God is going to do this morning and in the coming days is he's going to give you a vision for your future. Because he doesn't want to just bring you out of bondage, but he wants to bring you into the promised land. It awaits for you and me. It's waiting. It's waiting, but there, are, there is a desert, and that desert doesn't have to be long. Look at your neighbor and say, it don't have to be long. It doesn't have to be. But he's wanting to bring you where you are. And I'm not saying you guys are all in the desert or you're all in bondage. I'm not saying that. But there's areas of our life where it's like, ah, just feel like I'm in bondage right here or I can't get free of this. And I believe God is bringing, he, he, I know he wants to bring you through. And, and so I felt like the Lord said this morning, he's opening He's opening eyes this morning. He's opening eyes this morning so you can see. So you can see the promised land. So you can see the place where he's wanting to bring you. Where he said, here, this is where I'm bringing you. He's going to give you a picture this morning. The other thing I felt like the Lord was saying is that there are blockages, there are stumbling blocks that are standing in your way. And it might be something somebody said. It could be some sort of brokenness because of something somebody said. It could be a wound, an offense, whatever it is, but you feel stuck. You feel stuck. And God's bringing us into the promised land, but those things can't come. I'm not saying you've got to be perfect, but those things, those things stay. 
God's, he takes us out of that bondage, out of that slavery, and he says, come on, I'm going to walk with you through this desert so you can lean on me, so you can trust me. And when we stand, so when you stand on the edge of your promised land and you see the giants in the walled cities, you don't go like, oh, I'm so small. Oh, they're so big and I'm so small. You go, oh, no. Oh, no. I've learned to lean on the living God, on the true God. I've learned to lean on him. I've learned to hear his voice. I've learned to trust him. I've learned to have encounters with him where he changes me. I've learned to ha have that. So now I'm looking at these giants going, you're just standing in the way. You're just standing in the way of all that God has for me. Would you stand with me? Just close your eyes for a moment. One of the things, too, I felt like God wanted, he always wants to encounter us. He longs for those moments where we encounter him. And he encounters us. He longs for those moments. So just with your eyes closed, I believe strongly, and I believe it because of Scripture, that that God is in this place by his spirit right now. He's here with us. Sometimes there's like a tangible presence where you're like, whoa, I just, I felt something. You know, and it's not just like my stomach was turning. It was, it was like, whoa, there was like, there was something. There's times where we have those experiences. But God is always with us. As a son or a daughter, he's always with us. So I just want us to take a moment if you're listening online, you can do this as well. I just want you to use your imagination and just imagine Jesus by his spirit standing in this room right now. Maybe he's sitting, maybe he's standing, but wherever he is, just with your eyes closed and with your imagination, I want you to turn and look at him and look him right in the eyes. And I want you to notice that look on his face. Notice the look in his eyes. Notice the look on his face. What is that look? You can even ask him, Jesus, what is that look that you have on your face? And if you want, one, ask one more question to say, why? Why do you have that look on your face? That look on his face is because it's the way that he feels about you. It's the way that his heart is towards you. And just to be clear, if you saw him upset or angry, direct, directed towards you, you're not seeing Jesus. He's a loving father. Doesn't mean he doesn't correct us. He does. But his eyes are always full of tenderness, full of care, full of compassion full of love. 
He doesn't correct us by shaming us. He corrects us by speaking to us who we are. So that look that you saw in his eyes, that look on his face, that is his heart towards you. If nothing else this morning, my prayer for you, my prayer for us, is that we would become more aware of his great love for us. That his great love for us would encapture us. I want to do one more thing before we sing this song. I want you to, with your eyes closed and you're looking at Jesus, I want you to ask him, say, Jesus, is there anything standing in between us? Is there any blockage? Is there any distraction? Is there anything keeping me from you and you from me? He might say a word. You might see a picture of something. You might see a, like a situation or a, um, something that happened. And if it's not already clear, then ask him, say, Jesus, what is that? And why is it blocking me from you?